listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom. I'm here with Dr. Fred Long, and this is an episode where we're going to be discussing Galatians. We've been at this a long time time and we're coming up on the tail end of uh of chapter five i imagine we'll be there in about a year (laughs) um at the pace we're going but yeah we've just been going uh verse by verse literally like two verses an episode all the way from galatians 1 1 and 1 2 up until now so today uh we are going to be at galatians 5 13 and 14 so if you have a Greek Testament and you want to get it open, that's fine. If you want to just follow along on the screen, that's fine too. Um, but I'll pull the text up here in a second. And uh, before I do, I'll say, Fred, I noticed you're in a, a different uh, setting today. You look like you're in a jungle. Yeah, yeah it's, it feels like a jungle outside. It's in the 90s, humid. August weather has finally come to Kentucky in September. So, uh, yeah, I'm in a jungle. Yeah, you got the all the greenery behind you. And, um, yeah. So, well, let's, um, let's get to Galatians 5 here. And it's going to go up on the screen if you're watching. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Verse 13, right? Verse 13. Yeah, you're going to read it for us? Yeah, I'll go ahead and read that, and then we'll uh, discuss it. So it says, Imisgar epeleftheria, ecletete adelfiu, monon me ten eleftherian is aformein tesarki, aladia tes agapes, dolevete alelius. That's interesting stuff. Some interesting stuff going on here. Um, you you have the ev, right? I think we were talking about that in a previous episode. I don't know where you get the epsilon, upsilon. Just remember that's not you, it's ev, or it's not you, it's ev. So we say eleftheria. Um, and you might be inclined as like a native English speaker to say like eleftheria or Eleftheria, but the stress is on the yota, so eleftheria, you got to wait an extra second. Um, so a lot of like epsilon words kind of going on here. You got ep, eleftheria, ecletete, adelfiu, the epsilon's there, but then you get eleftherian, is, and uh, yeah, you have a couple words. You have ala and alelius, both with the double lambda. So you can hold that for a second if you like. Allah, Alelius. Um, you got the Ev there and Dulevete. So some interesting stuff going on, but not too terribly difficult. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Um, where do you want to take it, Fred? Well, um, I'm looking at the connection in context. So. Uh, verse 13 has a connector gar, gar, u, umis, gar. Um, so that's tying it back into the previous verse. 
And the previous verse says, Paul says, I wish that also the ones troubling you would would be cut off, would would mutilate themselves. So it's a pretty, pretty strong statement uh, there. And the last word of verse 12 is actually the pronoun umas. And then the next word is umiskar. So umas, umiskar. So that's kind of interesting that the you plural, you plural are back to back. Um, and you can mm. see that there in the text that Michael is has before you there. So the reference there is um, is, is pretty interesting. The umis in verse 13 is not strictly needed, uh, but it does help signal the, the contrasting agency, the ones troubling you, but you or for you. So Paul is basically justifying, providing some strengthening for why he could wish that the ones troubling you would just be cut themselves or mutilate themselves. And verse 13 says, for you were called upon freedom or for freedom or on the basis of freedom. So that's why Paul wants them to be out of the way, because these uh, agitators are wanting to enslave the Galatians. And so uh, support for Paul's strong statements is this kind of wish um, is because they were called on the basis of freedom. So ep eleveria is um, yeah, kind of interesting. Ep, ep uh, with the dative you could think of as upon maybe four like in terms of purpose, mm -hmm. but I, I usually don't think of epi as, as indicating uh, like telic purpose, but usually on, on, on the basis of um, you were called on freedom or on the basis of freedom. And I think there might be some ancient understanding that that the starting point of your calling dictates your destination point or or what you you do so the start the nature of the start of your 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 experience uh, particularly of calling that's the same road that you need to stay on so um so yeah you were called on the basis of or on freedom uh, I, only i like this yeah because um and i i've I've been preaching this quite a bit lately, um, mm. the church where I pastor, but just reiterating over and over this point that, um, you know, we often think we're, we're called to do this or that, called to go here or there. Uh, and I feel like people have a very skewed sense of calling when the reality is, is that our primary calling, our first calling, our true calling is to God himself, uh, mm -hmm. not to a person, not to a place, not to a thing, not to an activity, not mm -hmm. to a mission field. No, our, our calling is to God. And once mm -hmm. and from there and out of that, we are commissioned to go places mm -hmm. and do things. So we need to understand yeah. that. Uh, the difference, it's a very important difference because Bible college students, seminary students, a lot of times are wrestle with this notion of, oh, you know, um, 
I don't know whether God is calling me to do this or you ask a student, so what are you going to do after you graduate? Well, I'm just waiting to see where God calls me. And I'm just thinking, well, that's easy. God calls you to himself. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, from there, you're, you may be commissioned to, to go do this or that, but don't, don't complicate or overcomplicate the call. It's, it's to God himself. So this translation that you have that for y'all, were called on the basis of freedom, right? And the starting point um, is God, right? That that is, uh, you're called to have this free relationship in freedom with God. And I love that he uses other few uh, there. That what is that? A right dislocation is what you call that, um, or I don't, I don't know what would you call that? The other it's few. Just, um, it's just evocative, but it's offsetting what comes next as particularly important. I think also though it's it's describing what came before as particularly important because the starting point uh what you were called for freedom in is, is that family point right to the father so he, he identifies them as siblings here over and against mm-hmm. the troublemakers mm-hmm. but all siblings are called to the same thing namely this this relationship with God to God himself yeah, I I get that it points forward, but I think it's also yeah. encompassing what precedes it as well. Oh yeah, it's hugely important um, as a reference designator, as, as it because it profiles the Galatians as siblings, absolutely, and it it but but as siblings, it particularly sets up what follow follows as siblings. Uh, one that you serve one another in love. So you serve one another, ale, ale, lis, uh, the reciprocal pronoun. So this family relationship, this fictive kinship, this sibling uh, relationship that we have leads to a, a serving uh, mentality, a, a serving of one another through love, through, through love, love as the means or the manner through which that, that serving takes place. So yeah. I- no, yeah. it's absolutely important. You have to pay attention to what noun is used as the vocative because that's setting, it's almost like it's setting the frame for for what what is, what is being profiled or construed about that entity that receive, well, really the addressee that's being uh, called out. Yeah. I love that, yeah, that it, it has the kinship uh Mm-hmm. aspect to it i love that this kinship aspect is rooted in in the fact that you're called on the basis of freedom um uh this living freely in christ uh i love that he's going to go on he's going to talk about what that looks like when he talks about the fruit of the spirit in just mm-hmm. a little bit but um yeah, yeah, I love that. I want to talk about love too, real quick, when we get down to that. But maybe you have more to say before we get to. Well, yeah, just topic. yeah, just, we'll, and we'll stop there. And let you talk about love. Go off on love because you need to for sure. Um, so, so basically, there's a premise of of freedom that is our calling, uh, and then there's a quick qualification of only, not. Only not, and and here there's a uh, an implied verb. Um, only not let it be something. 
let let your freedom or the freedom be as or for an opportunity to the flesh. So, but then the correction. So you have a may saying, don't let that freedom be an opportunity to the flesh with the with the negative may, and then the Allah is the correction, but through the love, through love, be serving one another. So yeah, this freedom, this atmosphere of freedom shouldn't be an occasion for the flesh. I mean, we have the basis of our existence is freedom. God shares his life with us. He, he differentiates us from himself, even though we're totally dependent on God. And yet we're totally differentiated. Just as the Father, Son, and Spirit are differentiated from eternity, and yet they are united, um, God likewise gives us this tremendous amount of freedom. That's why we're in the mess that we're in to begin with. But this freedom is not for self-serving or, or to give opportunity to the flesh, but rather is to be the basis upon which we, through love, are serving one another. Um, do levita is present tense uh, imperative. Do levita to be serving. And then the object is a uh, dative object is the reciprocal pronoun, which means that this is something that we do to one another, like as in a family. Families serve and help one another. And that's just the nature of being in a good family. Unfortunately, a lot of us have come through bad family life, maybe no family life or bad, dysfunctional, and we don't know how to do that. And that's that's why God, the church is so important. The body of believers and that's why it's really hammered in, I think, that we're sibling members, that we belong to this family because in, in good functioning families, you have a lot of uh, mutual helping and serving while also respecting each other's differences. But then you, you're united, but you're not uniform in a, in a sense. So mm -hmm. what are you going to share with, with in terms of love? Oh, well, I, I'm ruminating on this because I'll be in, um, I'll be giving a, a conference talk uh, in six months or so on defining love. And so I've been thinking a lot about this, but I was actually just teaching on it uh, last week in my New Testament class. And um, just, uh, I, I pulled up this meme, you know, we have the saying floating around love is love or even love is love is love. The uh, pride folks, the alphabet folks love to, to use that phrase and wear it on their clothing. Um, <laughs> and so I showed, I showed this picture of, um, uh, it says love is love on the top with the pride flag behind it. And then down below, it says water is water. And then on the one side, you have someone with a cup of water drinking out of a straw and then on the right side you have someone with the straw drinking out of a toilet the water is water right um and we all know immediately what the the meaning of that is we, we see the foolishness of saying love is love when we say water is water and compare drinking out of a, a clean cup to drinking mm -hmm. out of a toilet right um some some types of love are toxic 
or what what people would say is love or toxic or unhealthy mm -hmm. or aren't really love at all um and so you know when i'm working toward a definition of how to define love um i think just simply put love is wanting god's best for the other uh, and that's as this is simply as i can really put it so when i when I tell my wife I love you, uh, this is not just like a a sentimental thing. It's it's a repeated affirmation of like I want God's best for you. I'm gonna I'm I'm invested in uh, mm -hmm. God's best for you, and mm -hmm. that may mean sometimes like with my kids, like I want God's best for you, stepping in and like putting a grinding halt to something that's happening because it's not God's best for them. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing, uh, even with myself, uh, wanting wanting God's best for me. But when we look at this passage here, uh, serving but serving one another through love, um, I mean, it's the same idea, right? That I am going to serve you in the way that I want God's best for you. Some a lot of times, right? People don't know what God's best for them is. Uh, when we talk about like sexuality, for example, people people are going way off the rails on what they're affirming today and what they're engaging in, and um, a great a great bit of it is not what would be God's best for them, right? Um, so I've talked yeah. about a little bit some of this on the podcast already, and especially in the fallacy of the week episodes, but. I think I think it's very important um, that I, the working title of my my talk will be defining love in a culture that resists definitions. Yeah. And um, I yeah I think it's really important that we define love. I was sitting in a meeting just a few weeks ago with three religious people in my own denomination here on the island and they're starting to go down this route of progressivism and um they're just talking oh we just we want to love people we want to love people and you know i just stopped the conversation and i says you keep saying love but not once have you defined love please define what you mean by love for me and not a single one of them could or would and so mm -hmm. i would just offer to those who are watching or listening that when you hear people talking about love um, it's always a good rule of thumb to just pause the conversation. Say before we go any further, can I just ask what do you what do you mean by love? Like how do you define that? Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, and it's really important. And yeah, that's, I just want to throw that out there because um, helpful, super yeah. significant issue that yeah. we have. But, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it's interesting that Paul connects it with. Uh, with freedom, with freedom here. So you have this freedom, but don't let that freedom be an opportunity for the flesh, but rather to serve one another through love. Like, I think love offers itself freely. It gives itself freely. Um, and uh, um, also, it, it does it does it place expectations on people or what kind of expectations does it have like we can do things 
that expect, you know, when we sometimes we think we're loving people, but we're actually obligating them to to like us back. Like we're right. doing, yeah. we're ingratiating ourselves to them in order that we we be liked or they like us, yeah. and that's that's not love. Yeah, um, and I think that's, that's kind manipulation. of manipulation. That's kind of that's manipulation. So that there's that kind of love. And then there's the kind of sloppy agape, which you're talking about, Michael, which um, I hope you can record that and share that with us. Um, it's going to be great. Great talk is 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 how do we care for people? Like, what is it to love somebody? I think we love I think we love is to value them for what yeah. they are and, and who who they're meant to be. So you love the idea of them. You value the idea of, of them, but what is that idea and mm. what shapes that idea? Um, yeah. In our current culture, it means freedom to do anything yeah, and to be anything. And, and, and that, uh, that's, that's, that's a radical self-determination, yeah. which is often against God's view of us. And what we were designed to be, and 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 who, what vision God has for us, and so yeah. that's that's a, they people want to cut that vision off, and and just put it all in the realm of us, and me, mm -hmm. and and radically the individual, um, but that's that's very much self-referential, um, it's inward turning. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a a belly button gaze at oneself. It's inward. It's it's not outward. It doesn't have an outward viewpoint. Um, yeah, it's just very self oriented. It's um, it's unfortunate. You know, it's like cutting oneself off from the very source of life itself. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the most loving thing that you can do for somebody is to put up boundaries and walk away. I've said yes. this before too. I mean, in the gospels, Jesus always walking away from toxic people and situations and putting up boundaries. Um, and, you know, cutting, cutting that relationship off. Sometimes that is the most loving thing you can do. Right. So somebody's sinning repeatedly against you. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the, maybe wanting God's best for them, looks like moving yourself from the relationship yeah. no longer yeah. giving them the opportunity yeah. to sin against you yeah right? to abuse and sin against you paul just demonstrates it in verse 12 yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's demonstrating love right i'm presumably i'm thinking that he's he's loving these people even these agitators he's trying to say you are doing something so wrong that yes you actually exactly. need to be on the receiving end of what you're doing and emasculate yourself. Maybe then yeah. you'll learn how bad it is, what it is that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough love for, for He's sure. He's going to say in just a few verses too, like if you do this, this, or this, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I was oh, sitting how down unloving. with, yeah, how I was unloving. sitting down with uh, another person, another a leader in our denomination recently and that was they were advocating for this progressive sexuality stuff and mm. i just point blank asked because this person called me a zealot why are you such a zealot on this issue and 
my question is like, why are you not? But, um, you know, just point blank asked, do you believe that people who are practicing these forms of um, uh, sexuality um, are inheriting the kingdom of God? And yeah. like it's that's... interesting. He's he's accusing that person was accusing you of what they were. They're yeah. the ones that is the they are the zealots of the issue. Yeah, that's a, just such a classic tactic to uh, for the offending party, the party that is really yeah. making the problem to to accuse yeah. the other person of the very thing that they're doing. If you're in situations and that starts happening to you, you got to get out of there. There's like yeah. a projection onto you um and you need to have that boundary up that differentiation and say whoa uh you just described yourself and now you're claiming me so that's really a projection there's yeah, a lot of projecting blame, going on in our culture blame shifting yeah blame shifting like, oh. gaslighting yeah yes, we're to be truthful exactly. in love truthful yeah. in love is what paul says so yeah yeah let's um it's, yeah. it's loving to say, hey, you keep doing this. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, right? Yes. Like, I'm telling you the truth. Like, you need to know that. That's why we're zealous about it, because we want yeah. people to inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. And and Anyways. I've made this point elsewhere, but it's worth making again, is that the listing of people who won't inherit are not people who who have struggled or who occasionally or, you know, made mistakes rather it's nouns it's people who are identified by their sins such that they are yeah. called idolaters such that they are called immoral person such that they yes. are called haters and abusers of people these are nouns these are things and identities that they have embodied um and and the, that embodiment is those people if they embody those sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul says it in very strong terms, like emphatic negation, will not inherit ever. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. But right now I, he's talking about love and yeah, serving in love with boundaries. I also have heard, I mean, and we'll get on to the next verse in here in just a moment, but, you know, there's this um, this idea floating around social media right now uh, a lot of this, unfortunately, like I'm seeing all the, a lot of memes and things shared from uh, Pete Enns is the Bible for normal people, which is really mm. just a liberal sort of think tank. And mm. uh, they make nice graphics and, you know, really provocative statements. And you go on there and you try to say something that, that pushes back. They're going to bully the crap out of you. Uh, it's just really sad to see that. But um, mm -hmm. this whole idea, there was one floating around. I can't remember if it comes from his his thing or not but it was something to the effect of um treat people like who they are or treat people as who god um as how god made them not who you want them to be or not as your idea of who you want them to be yeah. i'm just like that's so yeah. off like that yeah. is such a warped definition of love because then not leaves no space for hard truth to be spoken or hard love to be shown or discipline to be enacted. Um, and all it does is open the gate to allow that person to travel the path of destruction 
and I don't get to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. It silences God's perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's... So I'm wondering whether we should just stop now, because this has been kind of a long verse. It's been complex. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we'll do yeah, we we can can. 14, 15 next time. So um, right. I, have, I have a morning shot. I got a All right. Shot. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, Surrender the thing you fear into the hands of God. Turn it right over to God and ask him to solve it with you. Fear is keeping things in your own hands. Faith mm -hmm. is turning them over into the hands of God. Um, mm -hmm. That's by E. Stanley Jones. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, fear uh, versus faith. Yeah. I want to talk about this. In my in my sermon Sunday, I was talking, I was discussing this notion that spiritual maturity or spiritual the gift of spiritual discernment is directly correlated to how much we're willing to yield or surrender. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there's there's a, a direct correlation between how much spiritual discernment or maturity we have and how much we've turned over or surrendered mm -hmm. and absolutely uh, i think that's right well very good yeah, well thanks michael for stuff. for uh, everything you do for the podcast yeah. and um thank you everybody for listening and uh we uh we slowed down a little bit just did one verse we'll pick up the pace next time uh glad to have you listening and watching hit the subscribe button and uh, uh spread the word ask questions, and uh, thank you. Yep. All right, Fred. Thanks. Aloha. Aloha. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glossa House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House language resources for the global community.